Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 75 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. On today's episode, we have the uber-talented, the absolutely hysterical, a writer, author of your favorite addiction memoir, that's right, My Fair Junkie, Amy Dresner is in the house. Amy walks us through her addiction recovery and also her sex addiction recovery. We talk about anything and everything in between. Amy is the only person I follow on Twitter, and on this episode, you are going to find out why. So let's get into it. Have you heard of Dry February? Well, it's exactly like Dry January if Dry January was a trial run for you. That's right, we are keeping the party rolling. Head over to a SoberGirlsGuide.com and sign up for our 30 Days to Gain booze-free challenge. This challenge is going to help you motivate you, educate you, and inspire you to go a full 30 days booze-free. You are going to see everything you have to gain. Do you like more money? Do you like better sleep? Do you like losing weight, looking younger? These are just a few of the perks that you can gain from going booze-free. Head over to a SoberGirlsGuide.com and sign up now. Well, hello, Amy. Hi, how are you? I'm so great, and I can't wait to talk to you. So you're an author, writer, and a badass comedian. I mean, even just talking to you beforehand, oh, like you're I'm so not damn funny. Anymore. I'm not, that was like, I stopped doing comedy in 2012, I think. So I'm a recovering what? comedian. Um, well, well, I got arrested. <laughs> okay, let's just jump right into it. <laughs> um, I was, I was, uh, I relapsed and I tried to stab my ex while I was high on Oxycontin and Four Loco and I got arrested oh. for felony domestic violence and, um, sort of just, Facing a divorce and a criminal trial and losing everything and just mm-hmm. doing a tight 
10 at the comedy store wasn't really on the top of my list. It was sort of like, oh, am, how am I going to survive and like get sober? And like, you know, right. it was, I re- I had like a complete nervous breakdown and tried to kill myself. And so, you know, my, my priorities changed. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's a good thing. I mean, people can still thing. tell when I speak, they're like, uh, you should be a comedian or were you a comedian? I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that just, it just never dies, but that's fine. Yeah, but it's because you're witty and smart. Thank so you. I think those are pretty damn good attributes. Thank you. Yeah. yeah I mean, I would take it as a romantic life. life is on fire. Not. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's jump into that. What's what's up with your romantic life? I don't know. I don't know. I just, uh, I got my heart. Bro- so basically, I was married and then... Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to stab him. And so that was the end of that marriage because people don't like when you try to kill them, they don't feel good about it. And it was just a, it was a very, very abusive marriage on both sides. And, um, and then I was sort of focusing on, you know, getting, you know, well, I was given community labor. So I just sweep the streets. So it was me on a chain gang, like with 40 Mexican guys. Wow. And they're like, what you have for weta? And I was like a Jewish American princess. And I was like, Oh my God, like all these criminals, like, and they're like, what you here for, Weta, huh, Blondie? What the fuck? You know, and I was like, oh, they're like, I'm here for a DUI. What you here for? You know, I'm here for wet and reckless. And I was oh like, God. oh, I'm here for felony domestic violence with a deadly weapon. They were like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, like, I quickly got really humble and realized I was, like, mm. one of the few people there for assault. And I had more time assigned to me by the court than anybody else. And it was like. So that was me. And I was in sober living for like two and a half years. And this is in my 40s. So I'm okay. not, you know, I'd been a chronic relapser for like 25 years. Okay. But yeah, I've been in six rehabs and four psych wards. Still available for dating. I'd make a really great wife now. Yeah. And I do know how to sweep really well now, thanks to the courts. So Lots of experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh I became a sex addict in uh the early part of this sobriety and um okay. and then I became and then I fell in love and then I think it sort of morphed into sort of love addiction and then I just kind of was celibate for um almost I guess it'll be like three years in March, which is really weird for people to even think about. But it's like as an addict, it's what we're either like doing it mm-hmm. or we're completely abstinent that's right. sort of you know we're not the greatest at moderation with anything no moderation you know? is not an option and yeah it's not it's exciting not really, yeah it's not really our forte it's like you know i make i make this terrible joke you know we're either like vegan and doing crossfit or we're like smoking meth out of a light bulb like we're not yeah. you know yeah so it's like i'm either fucking every random guy on tinder or like you know, my vagina is hermetically sealing itself. You know what I mean? After three years of no use, like it's sort of normal. Um, but also I was concentrating on the book and the pilot Mm. for the series and my mother got dementia and my father got cancer Mm. and sort of life happened. Wow. So yeah, it was a lot. It's been a lot. It hasn't been like, Oh my God, it's just this greatest ride. And I was like shocked to like, you know, it's been I mean, the book has helped a lot of people and I'm Mm -hmm. so happy for that. And I still get messages, even though it was released um, in September, 2017, I still get messages of people just going, oh my God, thank you. Like, thank you for keeping it real and talking about like the stuff that no one wants to talk about as a woman. And thank you for making me laugh about stuff I was ashamed about and Mm. making me feel less alone and broken. And I still cry when I get those messages, but 
Yes. Um, what I was telling you before was I was trying to repost um, a piece I'd written about sex addiction. It was extremely forward. You okay. Know, um, you know, so? about it was, you know, talking about, you know, going on my first date with someone in two and a half years and, you know, like, and you're know, thinking like, oh, well, you know, it's going to be a coffee date. And it's 1230 and it's in, at Starbucks. And it's a public place. Like there's no way it can get out of control. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I've been celibate for so long. And I'm really, you know, I got my heart broken. I'm very closed. And like, I ended up like making out and like a squirting all over my car with this guy. And I was like, oh, okay. So, um, and I talked about, yeah. So I was like, I didn't even know it had been, you know, I like to talk about the things that no one wants to talk about because I think someone's got to go first and open that stuff up, whether it's IV drug use or domestic violence or sex addiction or mental illness, someone's got to be the person to open it up and talk about it because you're never alone in whatever you're going through or whatever you feel ashamed of. And so um, the piece was very graphic. Okay. And I said for mature audiences only, and it had already been done. It had done very, very well in another publication and people were like, Oh my God. And I talked about dopamine and I talked about mm. for addicts who have low dopamine tone that, you know, sex for a normal person gives them a normal high. And they're like, right, oh, it's right. beautiful, like a beautiful sunset. But for yeah. an addict, it shoots us up. And then we're like, you know, and we come crashing down and we're either addicted to the high of chasing the person or we're addicted to the high of the orgasm or we're addicted to the high, of whatever. And mm-hmm. so I talked all about the dopamine and how basically then the person becomes sort of like a syringe for us. They become the drug, you know, and it's yeah. exactly, it felt exactly like my drug addiction. The obsession started and it got really like, I was like, Ooh, this isn't good at all. And even this was after three years of not being with anybody. And after having been in a relationship for two years, you know what I mean? Like not, I got, it was just like back with a vengeance. And it just reminded me so much of my drug addiction. Like no matter how many years I had abs, like abstinent or sober, when I picked up, it was right back where it was. Okay. You know, or worse. And so anyway, they, they, they said that the piece was vulgar and not for um, the professional forum and that uh, it was, a tasteless language and too sexually graphic. And so, uh, um, I told a bunch of my sponsees helping to get rid of them and they were like, <laughs> you're my hero. We love you. You're their pussies. I was just like, Oh God. Okay. <laughs> just, just so you know, I am the person who you're supposed to is leading you towards a spiritual experience through the steps. Like just, this is the person you have chosen. Just if you ever want like your money back, like I don't blame you. I don't know what you know just like and they were like you know you're my ear you're like i love you more like oh my god i'm like yeah. oh, okay so but anyway. isn't that life though like life can get vulgar you know life gets real well, i mean i think that that's the, my whole thing regarding like addiction and alcoholism is everyone you know pussyfooting around the language and mm. saying substance use disorder or Right. You know, are you sober curious in the gray area drinking? And not that that stuff doesn't exist, but like right. to me, I mean, I wrote a piece about reclaiming junkie, like addiction. They're like, it's very polarizing and it's irreverent. It's like fucking addiction is irreverent. It's ugly. People mm-hmm. are dying. Like, are we really, right. you think polishing up the language is going to change the way people see it? I mean, I'm very much right. about sort of embracing the language that's been used 
to stigmatize us like junkie and stuff like that. And like, even when my book came out, a lot of people were like, you know, well, you know, I don't know if we can put the, 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 your, your book cover up because you say junkie and it's real. And I was like, really? Mm. You know? And I just think that Mm. like, I'm with like the other, um, minority groups that have been prejudiced against like, like African Americans and, you know, the, um, and the homeless and the gay population where they've mm-hmm. taken the words back that have been yeah. used yeah. against them and they've owned the word and it's become their word. Right. Like the F word or the N word. You know what I mean? That's my take. And right. I don't think it's really the word that makes people, I think it's their lack of understanding that addiction is really a brain disease. For some people, for others, it's based mm-hmm. in trauma that if you understand the way the dopamine works and the do- low dopamine tone, then you would have more empathy. And it's mostly our behavior that scares them. It's not the name. Absolutely. So I think that, you know, I think that by not using the word alcoholic or addict or whatever, I think that we give it more stigma. So, you know, I, I don't like, subs- I've never heard one person say I have substance use disorder ever in my life, ever. Right. I mean, it sounds very clinical. <laughs> well, yeah. It's like great for insurance. Yeah. You know? <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, for me, I reclaim my power by calling myself a junkie. And some people say, well, there's the label and then you, you know, you live that label. And it's like, mm. no, for me, I, I don't. I, I can be a recovering junkie. I can be a recovering sex addict. And they're like, well, that's just something that happened to you. It's not who you are. But I, I believe that addiction is in my brain chemistry. I okay. mean, it's in my, it's in my genetics and I've been tested for something called, uh, the MTHFR mutation, which yes. is a, which, you know, you know about that. Mm-hmm. Right. But tell, is, tell, 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 okay. tell everyone so that doesn't. Many, many addicts. Many addicts have a genetic mutation called the MTHFR mutation, which is like for me stands for motherfucker, right? <laughs> because it is a motherfucker. Yeah. And it is basically a, it's a mutation wherein we don't create enough or the proper enzyme to break yeah. down. Um, I think it's folic acid or folate from green vegetables into L-methylfolate, which is the building blocks for dopamine and serotonin. So we're starting off with low dopamine tone, which is why we feel off before we ever pick up. And then we pick up and we feel normal. And who doesn't want to fucking feel normal? Everybody. Mm -hmm. But of course, with the drugs that we pick up, it shoots the dopamine up so high, then there's a crash and then there's a craving. You know what I mean? It creates this Mm -hmm. really fucked up cycle. So, um, I mean, I have, I have, Sure, I guess I have trauma. I don't know. That's such a word that's so overused now. And it's like, mm-hmm. but I mean, I really, I mean, the genetics are there. I've been tested for the mutation. I have it. I take the L-methylfolate supplement. It helps. It's not a cure-all. I'm six days off nicotine. I want to murder people. You know, um, you know, I like everything in excess that changes my feelings mm-hmm. still. Okay. And I'll abuse whatever you give me whether, you know, it doesn't matter. So how do you deal with that? (sighs) Well, I have seven years clean and sober now. Um, I mean, I, I, I am in AA. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not weird about anonymity. I think it's, it's, uh, it's outdated and it's actually hurtful to people at this point because 
I stayed away from it for a really long time because I was like, it's a Christian cult and it's creepy. And like, you know, I think that in the 30s when it was created, um, it was because they really couldn't handle the amount of queries they were going to get regarding it. They were so small. And also it was so stigmatized then. And yeah. now with, you know, Dr. Drew and Sober House and Celebrity Rehab and Intervention and, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's like in Bradley, you know, and Brad Pitt and Bradley Cooper. I mean, it's right. like, you know, everyone, it's like, let's come out of the closet. It's not the Skull and Bones Society. You know, I don't know. The secrecy to me makes it seem weird and Scientology-like and creepy. So um, I think I've helped more people by talking about it than than hurt and i never say that i'm a representative of aa but i get to tell my story the w any way that i want and if you're not and i understand a lot of people aren't in a position to be out as an alcoholic and, and an addict because there's still so much stigma but i am in a position to do that right you know and um you know russell brand's absolutely broken anonymity i mean he's written a book about the steps yeah. which people have criticized him for in terms of like you know monetizing the steps but you know what? He's gotten a lot of people into the rooms who couldn't really jive with the old school language. You know, he broke it down in a way that they could understand. And so yeah. is that a good yeah. thing? Yeah. I mean, it's so um, I, you know, I have a really good support system. Mm -hmm. uh, I try and be of service and get out of myself. I do not meditate. I have not meditated for a while because I mean, I'm such a classic. I'm like, this is feeling, I feel so much better. I'm going to stop now, which is so classic <laughs> alcoholic. You know what I mean? Like, this is working. Let's stop. I'm cured. Um, Great. Yeah, well, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to do this anymore. Um, uh, I, you know, helping people, having a purpose in my life has really kept me on track. Yeah. Um, I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. Uh, getting older has kind of put things in perspective. Yeah, totally. Um, I totally feel that one. You know, like I was like, oh, shit that I thought mattered doesn't really matter. And other things that I didn't think mattered mattered. And it's kind of been a, you know, especially with your parents' mortality looming over you. I was like, oh, wow. You want to yeah. feel alone in the world. That's a whole other ball game. Yeah. Um, oh, I can't imagine. Yeah, it's been pretty rough that. And it's like, you know, um, I just try to you know i i'm resilient i mean my story is really brutal i mean i know you haven't written my book which is shameful of you shameful yeah, yeah. but um it's one of the few comic addiction memoirs yeah. and um again not that i think addiction is funny but i think that for me if i didn't laugh at the things i was going through i wasn't gonna make it through yeah, I absolutely. had to find the humor. And I think that that's really important is to not take ourselves or our lives too seriously. 
Um, and it, like I said, people were like, God, thank you for making me laugh at stuff that I couldn't even talk about. Yeah. Um, that's huge. Yeah. So the book is basically opens with the incident with my ex-husband and me going to jail and then sort of the loss of everything, the loss of, you know, I'm left penniless in a psych ward. I go back into treatment. I think it's the fifth time I get kicked out and there's a zillion relapses then there's flashbacks to, you know, my time doing crystal meth in San Francisco in my 20s and the first time I shot cocaine in my 30s. Mm-hmm. And then I take you through my sex addiction and um, and sort of all just, you know, my, my experience in the rooms and being really pissed off and hating it and uh, all the different things I tried. And, you know, I mean, uh, it's extraordinarily honest. Mm-hmm. And the people literally Google me and are like, is this bitch still alive? Like she cannot <laughs> still be alive. And it's like, no, I am still actually alive. And I don't look like a raisin, which is incredible. And I have my teeth, which is like, I don't even know how that's possible. Wow. Yeah. I mean, well, I give myself epilepsy from crystal meth. Mm. I have permanent, um, a permanent seizure disorder. I've had it for God, I don't know, over 15 years and I have to take medication for it. So I've had a lot of seizures. Um, Okay. Thanks to crystal meth. Yeah. Well, I see it for 17 days once and wrote a new Bible based on Emerson and Nietzsche, which is, you know, 17 days is a really long time. Whoa. Um, and, uh, and then even when I had epilepsy, I still shot Coke, but I just wore a bike helmet. I was like, fuck it. Like, well, we'll just protect our head make sure we don't crack our head open. We got to get high. I mean, just, it was wow. really, really gnarly. Yeah, yeah. It got really, really gnarly. And, um, wow. So, so what, was, what was like the turning point? Like what, like you've been through all these rehabs, you've been through these psych wards. Yeah. And I'd had years and then would eat it again. And that was right. what was confusing. I would like have three years and eat it and have another three years and eat it. And I was like, yeah. Um, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash ASGG today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash ASGG. Like, is there any commonality with every uh, relapse? Was there any common kind of thread? No. No? No? Okay. No. Um... 
some, I had been dry for seven years without any program. And I was like, I can do this, you know, it'll be fine. It's seven years. Like I'm fine. And then I'm drinking in the morning and then I'm doing cocaine and then I'm in rehab, you know, it just, Mm -hmm. it progresses very quickly for me. I also, another one was a a shoulder surgery and I mean a, a shoulder, I had frozen shoulder and, uh, they gave me Oxycontin. And I was like, yeah, and they knew I was drug addict. And uh, uh, I I was like, well, it should be fine because I'm, you know, don't like opiates. And of course, it's not fine. It's like Mm -hmm. immediately it goes up and it made me very aggressive. But I was like, yay, like I'm numb and I don't care what anyone thinks. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm in this horrible marriage and I get to fucking check out now, you know. And so um, all, like I said, abuse anything even if I don't like it. It's like, I like to feel different than I normally feel. Like, it's changed now. I mean, I'm getting Mm -hmm. to a place where my baseline is more, I'm more comfortable in my skin as time goes on and all that kind of stuff. But um, Mm -hmm. like nicotine, nicotine numbed my feelings. I loved it. Fucking loved it. Really? Really? Oh, yeah. I get upset and cry and or be angry. And I, you know, vape and just push it all down. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. So now I've got nothing. Yeah. So, um, what? I'm just, why? What? Bare, I just bare back. Well, I've got nothing. I mean, I, you know, I can't drink. Yeah. I can, I, you know, I can't drink. Um, I can't do any drugs. I mean, I'll just, you know, I, I'm basically still celibate. I'm mm-hmm. now I can't vape. Um, so I'm just like, okay, what, what, you know, I'm like, it's just going to be me and my cat and writing. Yay. You know, it's like, so I don't know. The road's getting narrow, man. Um, um, what the turning point was for me was I never had wanted to take care of myself. I was very entitled. I had been a, a trust fund kid. And then I married when my trust fund was run out, I had run out. I married a, a rich guy and I was like, I wanted to take, I wanted to be taken care of partly because I was lazy and entitled and a princess and a brat and partly because when you're gr- when you grow up with money and mental illness, your parents just throw everything at you and they take care of everything. And so you never have to do anything for yourself and you become sort of crippled and dependent and you don't think that you can do anything for yourself. So you don't. And then you're in fear and you have no self-esteem because you don't really get self-esteem from people giving you things. You get self-esteem right. from accomplishing things. So I think the big thing was when... I was on medical disability. I had no money. I was in sober living for two and a half years, sharing a room and a single bed, uh, sweeping the streets, you know, babysitting, writing articles, and just, you know, really had to rely on my own, be, become self-supporting. Mm-hmm. I realized no one was going to save me. It was over. My, everyone was done. Yeah. They were just like, we're done, dude. We are so over this. Yeah. It's been 25 years of you at the bottom of the well, and we are fucking over it. And I think the big epiphany for me was sweeping the streets. And I talk about that in the book, and I talk about it when I speak, which is I remember sweeping the streets, and it was really hard work. It's like eight hours, you know, and you've got like a tan dickies that says clean team on the back, and like everyone knows you're a fucking criminal, and no yeah. one talks to you, and it's gnarly. Wow. And it's sweeping like poo and cigarette butts and leaves for like eight hours straight from like seven thirty to three thirty, and it's fucking exhausting yeah and um and 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 you know i will say humbling you know very humbling yeah um 
And I remember feeling very sorry for myself. I was 42 when I was like, fuck this, you know, like, fuck the cops and fuck my ex and my lawyer fucked me. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I didn't even stab him. And like, why am I in this situation? You know, and I was like all in self-pity. Right. And I just went, wait a second. This could be the best thing that ever happened to you. Mm. Or it could be the worst thing that ever happened to you. And it's your right. decision. Yes. I was like, you're at a crossroads and your life hasn't exactly been going like that well, you know, for the last 20 years. Right. So they're, you're part of the problem. And I thought, mm. could this be the best thing that ever fucking happened to you in drag? Hmm. You know what I mean? Disguised as something. Are there yeah. lessons here? If we embraced this because we have to finish, otherwise we're going to jail. If we embrace this and found the joy in the lessons, could this be transformative? And that's why my book opens with a quote from Will Rogers. It says, the worst thing that happens to you can be the best thing for you if you don't let it get the best of you. Mm. And I, I was like, that. yeah. So I reframed the whole thing for myself. Right. And I fucking embraced it. And I had fun. Yeah. And I got to know people. And I, you know, learned a work ethic and teamwork and humility and you know, all of these things and, and discipline and all these things that I needed and, you know, the con my, you know, facing the consequences of my actions and all of that kind of stuff. And it completely transformed my life. Wow. Oh, I just got chills. Oh, so, that is so, wow. That is intense. I, I, can't, yeah. I can't even imagine. Like I literally, I'm just like picturing you sweeping the streets. <laughs> Right. I wow. know. It, yeah. It was, I mean, it was really like, I ran into someone I dated like eight years earlier and they're like in a $2,000 suit on their way to like a business meeting with like, you know, a $2,000 fucking briefcase. And, you know, and I'm in like a clean team shirt <laughs> <laughs> yeah. with like a really gross room, yeah. like buy this white pickup with like like dirty sweat pouring down my face and like I was just like you know he was asking one of the guys on the crew on the cleanup crew for directions and I just was like oh no you know, way. You know eight years ago when I just gotten out of psych ward and was a newcomer and I was like oh I was just like you know I really wanted to make a joke like how sorry are you that you got off this ride huh look at me now man <laughs> you fucking blew it you know but it was like <laughs> You know, I really thought like, where could my life be if I, you know, didn't keep burning it to the ground? Like, right. what could I accomplish? This is getting so fucking old, mm. you know? And I think it's something that addicts feel like the what if, like, what if I, but it's like, it's such a, it's such a mind fuck because I mean, and normal people feel that way too. Like, well, what if I, you know, and it's like, well, you know, it doesn't matter because that's not the, the cards that were dealt. That's right. not the road you went down. It's not reality. It's like no. fantasy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, sure. What if blah, blah. Great. Right. So um, I was Facebook posting like every day on the chain gang and I just owned it. And people were hysterically laughing wow. and supported me and other people in the chain gang, like some other, like, like there was a lawyer and there was like a, a publicist and a teacher and they were like, don't tag me. I don't want anyone to know. <laughs> 
they were just like, you know, I'm pretending I'm on like a work trip. And I was like, whatever. You know, I had nothing to lose. I had nothing to lose. Right. I was like, exactly. you know, I was sh- taking pictures of like cool shit I found on the street and graffiti and just like things I learned that day and like whatever. And when you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. Um, man, how powerful is that? Just own it. Oh, it's so freeing. You know? Yeah. It's so fucking freeing. It was just like, Oh, what a relief. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and when I was done, people were like, get arrested again. That was amazing. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, and (laughs) they were like, that was, yeah. So then I was like, well, fuck, this is a book. There's, there's the structure for the book. And That's the, you know, that will be the framework for the 20 years of, you know, relapsing on all these types of drugs and, you know, all the different cities and all the psych wards and the rehabs and blah, 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 blah. And so it's, uh, and that's how the book was born. So it did become the best thing that ever happened to me because it sort of launched me into this being this you know, I hate to say it, but like a recovery advocate almost, which is like not what I would have ever expected. And it's like, you know, I'm sort of the punk rock one that swears and, you know, like doesn't show that it's all perfect. There are a lot of people who are like, you know, sobriety is rainbows and amazing. So, you know, you know, I meditate every day and I'm connected to my higher power and here's my spiritual axiom for the day. And it's like, you know, and I'm very honest about shit. Yeah. You know, I'm like, hey, I went to Cafe Gratitude and they're so fucking friendly and smiley. I couldn't tell if that's like they're grand and they're enlightened or they all want to fuck me. Like, I am confused, you know? And it's like, so I'm just, I want people to know that you can get sober and still be fun and edgy and yourself. Yes. You don't have to become some weird, I mean, you can if you want to be some like uber spiritual person that doesn't swear. Well, you don't have to be. You can still be fucking cool and edgy. Yeah. Sober people swear. Yeah, I mean that was the whole thing. Like Sam Tripley, this 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 um comic used to just be totally weirded out by the fact that like sober people would be like horrified by like swearing and stuff. And he was just like, "You used to shoot heroin in your dick. Like, what are you fucking shocked about? 
the, the fuck, the F word? Like, really? Yeah. And I was like, it's like, you know, yeah, it's like, I mean, getting, you know, going in recovery is not church. Sorry. Yeah. No. Nor think- is it temple for the Jews, you know? So I don't, I don't, you know, I don't buy into that. Yeah. And I have to say, I follow you on Twitter. I don't like Twitter at all. I think it's annoying. Yeah, but it's the only place you can really speak your mind without them editing you. Yeah, but I feel like then you get a whole bunch of like yeehaws giving their opinion and like oh yeah oh yeah I've gotten nailed oh yeah oh yeah that's true yeah I've gotten trolled so hard on Twitter woo yeah so it's just like this never ending cycle of that is true that is true and I'm like I do not have the energy for that yeah that is true that is true but I do have to say you are my favorite person on Twitter. You're Aww. the only reason why I go to Twitter. And I have to read one of your tweets that, that really struck home with me and actually okay. prompted me reaching out to you to have this oh. conversation. Okay. Um, so it was your tweet that says, don't write what you think makes you look good. Fuck that. Write what everyone is thinking, but nobody dares to say. Help people feel less alone. Be the truth teller. Otherwise, it's just vanity in words. That rocked me. <laughs> I fucking love that. It's, it's I, so true. It's, well, it is true. I mean, everyone, you know, people were like, you seemed like an asshole in your book. And I'm like, I was mentally ill and on drugs. Like, hi. Like, if you're trying to look good in an addiction memoir, you're not being honest enough. <laughs> okay? Like, true. <laughs> like, everyone's trying to fucking look so good on Instagram and whatever. It's like, why don't you tell the truth? When I tell my darkest truth, mm-hmm. you're, everyone is like, oh, my God, thank you. Going through that. Feel right. that. My truth, too. You're never alone in that stuff. Everyone thinks they're so unique in their weird, dark secrets of depression or depravity. But you're not. It's like the more personal it is, the fucking more universal it is. And it's like, I don't give a fuck if people, you know... I don't want people like worshiping me or being like, I look up to her. I want, I want people to be go like that bitch can do it. I can do it. Like, I want people to feel like, Oh my God, you gave me hope. You gave me hope and you made me feel less alone in the world. Like that's what matters to me. That's it. And it's like, I don't care if I look like an asshole, as long as I'm an interesting asshole, believe me, Mm -hmm. my editor on that book was like, Oh, like a little harsh. Like that's not very PC. And I was like, uh, uh, Mm -hmm. let it all. We're letting it all hang out lady. Right. I love that. And I love that decision. And, And yes, like we need more of that. It's, life is not all rainbows and butterflies. No. You're sober, dry, whatever the hell you're doing. Yeah. It's not realistic. It's not, um, it's not maintainable. It's just. Yeah. But then, and if you only post that shit, then you always make people feel like they're not doing it right. Or they haven't gotten there or they're more broken or whatever. And it's like, Hey man, you know, everyone has their own journey. Everyone has their own psychological problems. Everyone has their own financial problems, trauma, relationship stuff. Like we can't compare, but I just only posting like super, super filtered, touched up photos where you look fucking perfect. 
and posting, you know, living my best life and bram, bram. like, who care? Like, fuck off. Like, I'm not interested. I'm interested in the people who, who are like, this is what's happening. And I'm like, oh my God. Yes. Like, that's the human experience. Like, tell me about the human experience and tell me how you're getting through it. Absolutely. And let me feel connected to you because it's so easy to feel disconnected and less than. Yeah. And that's a big problem. Well, and those, all those perfect posts are just so isolating. Totally. Yeah. Like everything you just said, like getting personal makes it more universal. Yeah. That's what I found. And it continues to shock me. I'm like, well, this is happening in my head. I'm going to put that out there. I mean, people might be like, okay, lunatic. And then like, you know, I really, I have no idea. And then everyone's like, I so feel this. Like, I really need to hear this today. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. Like, and it just goes to reinforce over and over and over again. Like, you know, to, to really, you know, open a fucking vein and bleed out on the page for people because Mm. people your stuff is not unique. Yeah. And thinking it is makes you feel broken and alone. Yes. And helpless and hopeless. If you know other people, you're like, okay, other people feel this way. Other people are going through it. You know, I'm so quote unquote normal. I'm okay. Nothing's horribly wrong with me. Right. So, but, you what- know, right. You know, go on. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to ask you, what piece of advice would you give to anyone listening to us today, like either thinking about getting sober or like struggling through their recovery? What is something that you would give it uh, as a piece of advice? The thing that it took me 25 years to really get, mm. and I talk about this again in the book and when I speak, is that I let my feelings drive my behavior forever. And it's really easy to think that you're, you are your thoughts and your feelings and you're not. And so, you know, my father once said to me, discipline creates stability. Stability doesn't create discipline, meaning that a disciplined routine life will create that feeling of stability that you need inside. If you're waiting to feel ready to go to the gym see the therapist, get sober, write the book, whatever it is, do the laundry. You're never going to fucking feel like it. Yeah. You take the action and the action changes your feelings. And that's actually neuroscience. It's, 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 you know, it's called bidirectionality, which means you can change your thoughts and your feelings through your body, using your body. And anyone knows this if they've ever been like, I don't want to go to the gym. And then they work out and they're like, Whoa! Oh my God, I feel so good. I'm going to do this every day. But the yeah. next day comes and like, oh, I don't want to go to the gym. Like you can't remember, you don't recall, you know, that it feel that it, that it changed the way you felt. Right. And so if you create, if you can do the contrary action, you know, and I can't always do it. I have really gnarly depression. Mm-hmm. So there are days where I'm like down for five days and I'm just like, you know what? Like I'm going into my foxhole and like I'm waiting for the storm. To, you know, I can't, I cannot. I'm going to take some baths and cuddle with my kitty and maybe watch Netflix and try and hit some meetings. And I'm just going to be gentle with myself. And it's like, you know, I try and be as productive as I can. And there's times when the depression's just paralyzing and then it passes. I've had it since I was 19. So I know, you know, but in general, I really try and push myself to stick to a schedule and, and, and take that contrary action and, you know, um, not cancel when it, cause I don't feel like, like, fuck that. Because even last night, like I didn't feel like it and my friend needed help and he wanted to get together and have coffee. 
and I went and had coffee and it was a great time. And he thanked me this morning. He was like, Oh my God, you're a lifesaver. I love you so much. I feel like a different person today. And it was like, nice. that service made me feel amazing. Yeah. And I'm glad I didn't cancel because I actually had fun, even though I wanted to just get in my fucking bed. I was tired. Yeah. So it's like, so, but if you take that contrary action over and over and over again of being the person you want, faking acting like the person that you want to be, mm-hmm. you create a new neural pathway in your brain where that becomes your default mechanism. And then that's you. Eventually that's fucking you. Right. That's you know, how you live and your so that's, you know, yeah, it was like, I had a sponsor and he was just like, you don't have to be a good person. You just have to act like one. No one knows the fucking difference. And I was like, what? And I was like, ew, that's not truthful. But no one gives a fuck about your truth. People don't give a shit about your intentions. They care about your actions. Character is your action. Mm. It's what you do. Interesting. You know, okay. Be kind when you don't feel like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, when I first heard that, my initial reaction was like, what? That right. doesn't sound... But okay, yeah. I can see where you're coming from. Being kind. Yeah. Being, you know, acting like the person that you want to be. I'm not saying don't have boundaries. I'm not saying don't let people walk all over you. I'm not saying any of that. Of course. You know what I mean? But I, you know, started from a place where I was extraordinarily self-centered and selfish and reactive and a real asshole. Mm -hmm. So, and I didn't want to be that person. I wanted to be the person who was, you know, loving and put their their shopping basket back and you know said to the person behind me in the market line oh you only have one go ahead you know you'd be shocked how people people are like what they're so used to this these small uh, they're so used so unused to these small kindnesses and so um it's like you know being the person that shows up i wasn't that person yeah i was the person who's my feelings and my problems and my thing were number one. And that was it. Yeah. And me too. all this. Yeah. And now I'm someone who's responsible, who people know if I call her and say, I need help, she will be there. Yeah. And I'm proud of that. I like who I am today. You know? Yeah. It's a damn good feeling. You know? Yeah. Wow. wow. Amy, where can we find you on the World Wide Web? Can you give us all your I have a website. Thing? It's not always completely up to date, but okay. but there's a lot of podcasts and articles and press and all that bullshit. Okay. Um it's uh amydresner.com. You can buy the book on it's mostly on Amazon because it's been out for a long time. There's the Audible, there's soft cover and hardcover, My Fair Junkie by Amy Dresner. Um I'm on Instagram, Amy Dresner. I also have My Fair Junkie, but I don't post that much on it. Um I also have, uh, I'm on Twitter as Amy Dresner, where I get, you know, trolled by the yahoos, as you say. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. That's a nightmare when they come after you. It's like, yeah. oh. I just can't. Um, I don't bother. Yeah. Well, I just, yeah, I just, I've learned now just to not respond, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, it's always the person that's like three followers that's like, (laughs) right. Like coming after you with like a pitchfork. You're like, okay, dude. 
And like their um, profile picture is like a tomato or something. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Exactly. I'm like, wow. You know, it's like over really stupid shit. I'm like, wow, the Joker really depressed me. I didn't like it. They're like, why don't you stick to Disney Plus then? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I'm allowed to, we're allowed to disagree without you personally attacking me. Yeah, easy, homeboy. Like, maybe because I lived the fucking Joker that I don't want to fucking watch that. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. don't know my life, bitch. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm on uh, Facebook, Amy Dresner. I have an author page, Amy Dresner, um, Amy Dresner author or Amy Dresner official or something like that. And like, okay. I'm going to be doing some, um, I'm doing a, a fundraiser with Lisa Smith, the author of A Girl Walks Out of a Bar. Oh, great. Um, in, um, in Carlsbad uh, at the end of February. And then I'm also going to be speaking at La Ventana. Um, with Lauren Constantine, I think her name is, and um, I didn't book it, sorry. Um, and she's a psychologist, and also Wendy Adamson, who works in treatment, uh, does is a specialist in family dynamics, and wrote a book called uh, Motherload, where she was uh, a meth addict and who shot her ex husband's. Like, I think she shot her ex husband in the arm or something, and okay. you know, yeah, her her story is super gnarly too. So wow. the three of us are going to be, you know, speaking and, and, and talking about recovery and selling our books and blah, blah, blah. And where's that going to uh, be? At La Ventana Treatment Center. And that's okay. going to be, I think, in March. And so that's, that's the kind of stuff that I post, you know, on Instagram and Twitter, as well as just, you know, photos of me. And, you know, I've, I, well, Colonel Puff Puff, my cat, has his own Instagram account now. So you can follow him. And I don't run it. I'm not that crazy. <laughs> Truly, I don't run. I don't run it. I don't run it. Someone else runs it. A friend of mine runs it, and so I don't. She, um, yeah. And then I just, you know, I'll, I'll post, you know, tweets or things that I think about, or or other people loving the book, and you know, it's wonderful that people are still discovering the book. It makes me feel really good, and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a millionaire by any means, but you know, people are like, you're saving lives. I'm like, well, can you save my rental? Yeah. No, it's no, it's wonderful. No, it's wonderful. And I engage, I almost write, I write like almost everybody back, which I know yeah. is like unheard of. And I mean, there might be a time when I can't do that, but there, right now I can. Mm-hmm. And it means a lot to someone. I think it's, it takes a lot of courage to reach out to someone you don't know and say your book changed my life or moved me or I'm loving it. And thank you for being honest. And so it takes three minutes to write them back and say, wow, thank you so much. And I'm so happy. And, you know, congratulations on four months and, you know, whatever it is. Absolutely. Let people be, let yeah. people be seen and be heard. I'm not a celebrity. I'm just, I'm just a junkie that wrote a book, you know? So. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us and your sense of humor. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me on. How hysterical is Amy? And now you know why she is the only person I follow on Twitter. As always, thank you guys so much for your love and support. Couldn't do this without you. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Sober Girl's Guide and the blog. Don't sleep on the blog. We have tons of how-to tips, tricks, amazing articles, and some really fabulous tools to aid you along on your journey of recovery. Head to asobergirlsguide.com to check those out today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great day.